Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And we want to thank you for joining us tonight, this Thursday evening. Uh, and we do hope that you enjoy what we have planned for you as we talk about Mormon polygamy. First of all, I would like to talk about, or at least discuss for a minute, um, press release that was released last week that was sent out <clears throat> to the sponsors and advertisers on the TLC network asking them to suspend advertising for shows that suppress women's and children's rights and minimize or hide sexual abuse of children. And this press release was in response to the TLC's reality show, 19 Kids and Counting, focusing on the Duggar family after sexual uh, hidden abuse that had uh, sexual abuse that had been hidden was discovered. Why was the program continued even after knowledge of this sexual abuse came out? Another point made in the press release is that despite numerous reports of sexual abuse, oppression of women and other problems within polygamous cultures, TLC continues to show the Sister Wives program perhaps placing profits before victims. We thank Polygamy.org and Sound Choices Coalition and Voices for Dignity for their efforts to bring the truth about polygamy to those who are not aware of its dangers. If any of you have seen that press release, you will uh, know there was a lot more to it than what I just mentioned tonight. But we thank those who do help to get the truth out. Tonight, of course, our co-host, Earl Erskine, is with us again. Hi, Doris. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. We missed you the last couple of weeks because we had other guests, but it's nice to have you back tonight. And I appreciate being here. Talk about this wonderful topic. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's totally fascinating. <laughs> it is. And it makes you shake your head a lot. Yeah. You know, with only um, this show and three more shows left for us to broadcast live on TV20, we want to discuss as much information as we can in each show without cramming too much information in such little time. But we've already begun taping shows for the internet broadcasting, so we're well on our way into our new format. We will miss this time on Thursday nights, and many of our viewers have already expressed how much they'll miss us. But on the other hand, there's many who, who will probably applaud yeah, our exit so. <laughs> in this particular venue. But God's purposes for the last seven years here on TV20 have certainly been fulfilled. We have seen much fruit from our efforts here on TV20. We have seen some heated anger and hatred from some of our viewers, but those who have seen and heard the truth and have discarded their false religion have made it all worth it. And there have been many people who have exchanged Joseph Smith for Jesus Christ. Isn't that joyful? It's <laughs> awesome. Great. It yeah. is wonderful, and yeah. that fulfills our purpose. And we are very grateful to God who has allowed us to be part of His work to bring His truths to both Mormons and polygamous these past seven years. Well, tonight, as we cram information <laughs> in, we have a couple of topics that we want to cover. 
First, we want to continue to present Joseph Smith's plural wives one by one, telling each story of each life while remembering that these women were real live human beings. They weren't just some name hidden in a book on a dusty shelf. Many of these plural wives were coerced into plural marriage, they were lied to, and eternal life was bartered to the women and to her families if they would give Joseph Smith the go-ahead to take her as another plural wife. This same coercion identifies Mormon polygamy groups today. We talked about Zena Huntington last time on part two of Joseph Smith's Wives on April 23rd, and tonight we want to present Joseph Smith's fourth plural wife, who was Prescindia Lathrop Huntington Buell Smith Kimball. <laughs> Prescindia was an older sister of Zena Huntington. And at age 16, Prescindia was married to Norman Buell, who was 22 years old. But before she even reached 25 years old, Prescindia had already lost two of her three children. And sadly, her next child that was born also died after a tragic accident at home. Prescindia and her husband Norman joined the Mormon Church in 1836 and moved to Kirtland, Ohio. It was there that she eventually met two of her future husbands, <laughs> Joseph Smith and Heber C. Kimball. In January of 1838, they traveled with Joseph Smith's wagon company to Missouri, and then after a time, they went on to Illinois. In April of 1838, she gave birth to her first daughter, but she lived only a few hours, so Prescindia had now lost four of five children. In Missouri, her husband became disaffected from the Mormon Church, but very little information is available of why. But we do quote from In Sacred Loneliness, page 119. Yes, uh, Oliver Huntington, who's a brother, implies that he, Norman Buell, left for fear of mob persecution, for financial security, and because he had some specific complaints about church leaders. Now, it doesn't say what specific complaints they no. were, but there were a lot of people who did leave the Mormon church yeah. under Joseph Smith when these rumors of polygamy started to come out. And that, sure. that may have been why, I don't know, but if it did, it come back and bit him pretty hard when we hear the story tonight. Persindia didn't follow her husband in his rejection of the Mormon faith, but they did continue to live together as man and wife. And he made a good living for his wife and their son, but she missed his fervor for her faith. Prescindia and Norman had another child in January of 1840, and late October of 1841, Joseph Smith married Prescindia's sister, Zena Huntington, and soon afterward, Joseph Smith pre proposed to Prescindia, and we quote what she said. This is also from Todd Compton's <coughs> In Sacred Loneliness. Joseph himself taught the principle of plural marriage to Sister Prescindia. She knew Joseph Smith to be a man of God, and consequently, she accepted the sealing ordinance with Joseph as a sacred and holy confirmation. So again, we see that she tried to f discover the truth about these, these marriages, and, and, and all we can say is that if these women had desired to know God's will through His Word, rather than depending upon Joseph Smith and their own personal feelings, they would never have allowed themselves to have been exploited into this sexual doctrine of salvation. Prescindia and Joseph Smith were married December 11, 1841, and this is what she wrote. 
1841, I entered into the new and everlasting covenant, was sealed to Joseph Smith, the prophet and seer, and to the best of my ability, I have honored plural marriage, never speaking one word against the principle. Now, it's interesting that she said she, she never she spoke any way. words against the principle, and it makes us wonder how much she actually wanted to yeah. speak up against polygamy, but she kept her mouth shut. After all, it was a huge secret in those early days of Mormonism, and they were required to keep it the secret, just like they do in polygamy groups today. But of course, Joseph Smith's integrity was at stake if it got out. So Prescindia married Joseph Smith, who had married her sister, Zena, only two months before that. And Zena was also married, remember that. He claimed this polygamy was God's command, yet these plural marriages were clearly prohibited by God Himself. God will never command something that He has first prohibited. First of all, we're going to read Leviticus 18.18. 18. And you shall not take a woman as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. Now, uncovering her nakedness means sexual relations. Of I know course. they've twisted, I, some of them twisted, have twisted pretty hard, yeah. you know, but it, that it means sexual relations. Yeah. So, and Joseph Smith, against this verse, married Zena and Prescindia, who were sisters. Actually, he ended up marrying five pairs of sisters, totally mm. against what God said to do. Now, let's look, read Leviticus 20, verse 10. Yeah, and a couple of chapters later, if a man commits adultery with another, man's wife with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. So he, so he married sisters against Shouldn't God's law in Leviticus 18, and now he has committed adultery with another man's wife. Zena had been married. Prescindia had been, or were both married, living with their husbands. Both these sisters were married. So Joseph Smith clearly went against God's command, and it is called adultery. And in those days, it was a capital offense. It sounds like it. It sounds like yeah, it, doesn't it? Stoned to death, probably. <laughs> uh-huh. Joseph Smith frequently made reference to the Bible to promote polygamy. Why didn't he use the same Bible to govern his choices? As with Zena, their brother Dimmick performed the ceremony for Joseph Smith and Prescindia. We read from page 122 of In Sacred Loneliness. <laughs> Soon after Dimmick had given our sister Zena and Prescindia to Joseph as wives for eternity, wrote Oliver Huntington. Smith offered Dimmick any reward he wanted. Any reward he wanted. And he later said, Dimmick later said, that it was eternal life. Joseph Smith bartered eternal life and had told him that his chances for eternal life was uh, increased. I think we're going to read that one in a minute. No. But that is something that no man has any authority to do. And God will not merely overlook that kind of an offense. We read about polygamy and the false promise of salvation from page 123. Yeah, it almost sounds like Joseph Smith didn't really have any fear of God, did he? Oh, I don't right? think he did at all. He no. wouldn't have done a lot of what he did if he didn't. It says, relatives of Smith's plural wives were often awarded increased salvation after helping arrange the marriage. Dimmick felt that his chances for complete salvation had been increased. Complete <laughs> salvation. Is there such a thing as incomplete salvation? Yeah, I mean, it's an either or deal here, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Salvation chances are never increased by officiating in a plural marriage ceremony between a married man 
married to one wife, and a married woman who is married to another husband. And there are no increased or decreased chances for salvation in connection with polygamy. So it's all just hogwash. As with all of Joseph Smith's other uh, plural wives that he married, Prescindia continued to live with her legal husband, Norman. We read on page 123. No tongue can describe or pen portray the peculiar situation of these noble, self-sacrificing women who helped to establish the principle of celestial marriage. You know, these women were definitely self-sacrificing, but noble they were not, at least not according to biblical standards. We read about those whom God considers noble. From Acts 17:11, it says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And that's where the nobility is, to yeah. test what they're being taught. And if these women had searched the scriptures like this verse says, if they had searched the scriptures every day to see if what Joseph Smith was teaching was true, they would have found him to be the liar and the false prophet that history has proven him to be. Instead, they were flattered to be exploited by this self-proclaimed prophet and coerced into living a life of adultery that they called polygamy. Prescindia later became a member of the Relief Society and she moved around in Mormon society with respect. We read on page 124 of In Sacred Loneliness. A year passed uneventfully until November 1843 when Prescindia's last child was born. It is unlikely, though not impossible, that Joseph Smith was the actual father. Now I'm kind of curious about this remark because that was Todd Compton's remark right. about, about this. But he gives no reason why he thinks it's unlikely Joseph Smith could have been the father of that child. But from all I've read about this story of Prescindia and Norman and, and uh, Joseph Smith, it seems highly likely, in fact, a total possibility that sure. child could have been Joseph Smith's. Well, why wouldn't uh, Yeah. After Joseph Smith's death in the summer of 1840, before Prescindia married Heber C. Kimball. She was still married to Norman and continued to live with Norman until May of 1846. It was then that she took her six-year-old son, Oliver, and left her house, leaving everything behind, including her husband and her oldest son, and she left without her husband's knowledge and certainly without his consent to follow the Mormon's travels. She arrived at Mount Pisgah where her sister Zena was and in fact is the place where Brigham Young had told Zena's legal husband, Henry Jacobs, to get out of Zena's life and go find another wife that Zena no longer belonged to him. In fact, in June, Henry Jacobs wrote a letter to Zena about Prescindia's husband. And we quote from Todd Compton's book again. And this is sad. Yes, very sad. Norman N. Buell is almost crazy as he has been up here. Though the Mormon historical record has viewed Norman unsympathetically as a bitter apostate, he was a husband and a father with real feelings. And this reference shows how he suffered when he suddenly lost his wife and youngest son. Isn't that sad? Yeah. It is the same tragedy that happened with Henry Jacobs and, and Zena. And all in the name of God. All in the name of God. Yeah, yeah. not, oh my. <laughs> anyway, Norman came, followed her to winter quarters to try and get his wife and son back, but Prescindia refused him. Apparently, Norman didn't know, it doesn't seem like he knew anyway, of his wife's marriage to Heber C. Kimball. 
uh, and Norman offered to go to Utah with her, but sadly she refused that offer as well. She was truly a slave to the false doctrine of polygamy, as are so many people, women, who are in polygamy. Persindia gave birth to two children by Heber C. Kimball, just like Joseph Smith and Brigham Young ruined the marriage and the relationship between Zena and her husband, Henry Jacobs. Joseph Smith and Heber C. Kimball ruined the marriage of Zena's sister, Persindia, and her husband, Norman. We see both husbands pursuing their wives, and both wives have been caught up in the lie of polygamy, refusing to return to their legal husbands, and neither, neither one of them ever bothered to get a legal divorce. What kind of religion is that? No matter how many ways people twist it, it is not, not Christian. No. Tonight, we also want to revisit another topic that we have very briefly discussed in the past, and that is the beginning of polygamy in the Bible. Now, we see these sad stories of Joseph Smith's wives, and, yeah. and as we go through all 33 wives, we're going to see sad stories in all of them. Yeah. And, and, and they use the Bible as a backup justification for the polygamy. And we, we, we uh, continue to receive phone calls and emails justifying Mormon polygamy because of biblical polygamy. But there really is no justification there. Beginning with Joseph Smith, Mormon polygamists have always claimed it was God's idea. In fact, many are offended when we explain that polygamy was not God's idea at all, which we're going to do tonight. Actually, it should be God who's offended yeah, that, we should think <laughs> that so. they would accuse him of uh, uh, even thinking to blame him. Uh, for such an abusive practice of inequality between the sexes and something that's so hurtful to the children. But the very first polygamist in the history of man as recorded in the Bible is a man by the name of Lamech. And Lamech was a descendant of Cain. And the Bible tells us that Cain had gone out from the presence of the Lord. He settled down. He began his family away from the presence of the Lord. In other words, he rejected God in his life and in his family's lives. Now, there are two Lamechs in the Bible in Genesis. Lamech, a fifth generation descendant of Cain, and another Lamech who was a seventh generation descendant of Seth. The genealogies in the Bible may seem boring at first glance, but when you study it, they can be a treasure trove of information. Two family lines are developed from Adam and Eve, the line of Cain, who was a murderer who walked away from God, and the line of Seth, whose genealogy produced those who had faith in God, tracing down through Noah and eventually to Abraham. In fact, the line of Cain was completely destroyed, wiped out in Noah's flood. We're taught in the New Testament about the spiritual condition of Cain. 1 John 3.12 Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So we see here that the Bible clearly explains the way Cain took was evil and that he belonged, says he belonged to the devil. It says it. Says yeah. that. And the first polygamist was Lamech from the line of Cain, who was a murderer and had no use for God in his life and belonged to the devil. Now that's a pretty bad prologue for such a so-called holy practice. 
We find in Genesis chapter 4 that Lamech followed in Cain's footsteps. He was also a murderer and he boasted about it. You know, this is in Genesis 4, 19 through 24. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. So here he is. It, 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 he's identified as a polygamist right at the beginning of this passage. And now he's bragging about his murder just because he got hurt a little bit by yeah. this guy who killed him. So, uh, so no, he's challenging anyone uh, to dare to call him to account for his actions. He's like his father Cain. And this was the first recorded polygamist. The next time your father or mother explains to you that polygamy is God's will and God's command, ask them to give you proof. The next time your bishop or priesthood holder explains that Joseph Smith's polygamy was a restoration of Old Testament polygamy, ask for chapter and verse where God commanded polygamy or ever pronounced it holy, and ask to be shown a positive polygamous family story in the Bible. They cannot do it without twisting stories to force the Bible to say something it doesn't say. And like I said, all of Cain's line was destroyed in the flood. We also want to mention that the flood itself was possibly a result of polygamy. Let's read Genesis chapter 6, 1 through 2. Now this is interesting. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. <laughs> now the wording here indicates that men married all of the women they chose. And many biblical scholars are convinced that acquiring harems began at this point in history. And like evidence found in studies of today's polygamy groups and communities, violence against women and children is prevalent and violent acts against the community is greater in polygamy than non-polygamy cultures. Violence also marked the days of Noah's culture as we have three verses I think here yeah, to read. Out of Genesis chapter 6, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw, saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So we see the word corruption and, and inclination of their hearts were evil all the time. Yeah. They were corrupt and violent. You see all these words just uh, repeated over and over again in these verses. In fact, read the entire chapter 6 because there's more there than just what we read here. But God was grieved at all this violence and evil, so he flooded the earth to destroy the unrepentant, saving only the righteous Noah and his family who did not practice polygamy. These are very important details. It's significant. Very it? significant. Many centuries later, as God gave his people guidelines of behavior, he taught them how to maintain peaceful communities and right relationship with God and with each other. And we read where he prohibited the kings from polygamy. The king, in Deuteronomy 17, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses 
for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So in De Deuteronomy, God has given an explicit command to the kings of Israel not to take multiple wives. Polygamy breeds violence. David was the king of Israel. He disobeyed God's command and he suffered for it. And David's family also suffered for it as they walked in his footsteps. And then mm -hmm. Solomon, his son, comes along and um, he became king after David's death. And he also turned away from God by having hundreds of wives and concubines. And the Bible tells us that God was not pleased with Solomon at all. In fact, a real problem in the kingdom occurred after Solomon's death. Well, it wasn't God who imposed polygamy. God's model for marriage was monogamy, and it's always been that way. Many polygamists claim that living this principle teaches the wives how to be more patient, less jealous, and more Christ-like. I heard this all the time in, in growing up in the polygamy group. I've heard people, women say it, all the time since I've been in this ministry, uh, women who are in polygamy will always say it teaches us to be better people and more Christ-like. But when the Bible teaches us to be like Christ, polygamy is never mentioned as an example of how to achieve that. You would think it would be if that was what he wanted. Yeah, and wouldn't the resulting guilt, whenever you were, if you were jealous at all, then you put that burden on yourself yes. because you weren't feeling Christ-like, obviously. And, and so, they do, and they internalize it right. a lot, too. And that becomes your problem. That's, a, that's exactly yeah. right. That's a very good point. And that causes many, many other problems. Right. Actually, it's okay for a woman to be jealous yeah, if she think. knows her husband is in bed with other women, yeah. no matter who she is. It, it's okay. Be jealous. That's the way God made us. There are several other passages in the New Testament which clearly teach that monogamy is God's only acceptable plan for marriage. One of them, I think, pounds the nail in the coffin of polygamy, and that's 1 Corinthians 7 2. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now there's no way that can be misinterpreted. No, no, no way. I've, heard, I've seen them try. No. I have seen them try. They, they say the word sure. means something for something else. But if they look at it very carefully in the Greek, it is very clear that the man cannot have more than one woman. Now there's other verses that clearly teach that the leaders of God's church may have only one woman wife. The leaders are to be the examples for everyone else. And these next three verses, we've read the, some of these verses on the show several times in the past, yeah. but these next three are also twisted by polygamists to, be, to mean something else. And they're just very clear in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And for Timothy, Timothy, and Titus, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee, if any man be blameless, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife. So they say that they have to have at least one wife. 
Okay. That's what they twist it That's to mean. That's how they answer that, that one. That they have to have at least one wife before they can be any of these things. Huh. Well, that wouldn't even be true in Joseph Smith's time because deacons, how old could you have to be before you can be a deacon and get the priesthood in Mormonism? Well, and today, I don't know about Joseph Smith's day, but 12 years old. So a 12-year-old has to be married, <laughs> right? He has to have at least one wife, according to what they're yeah. believing, yeah, that's true. before he can take in that role. That's ridiculous. What, they what, can't twist ask, it. Let me ask you about Section 101 in the Doctrine and Covenants. You know that old the one that was in there? The original? monogamy? Yeah, and they, where the church would kept promoting the mm -hmm. fact that they were only practicing one only had one wife. It, it, how did they explain that uh, in in your polygamy? I didn't know anything about it. I don't think they do. Because it has been changed. I since. have no idea. I had never heard of that. I never had heard of that. The, the, the old section 101. Really? If if anybody knew about it, they never talked about it to my oh. to my remembrance. Ever heard of it? Wow. It blew my mind when I first when heard you it. First yeah. I imagine. Yeah. But then there's they so much deceit going on with early Mormon polygamy that that was yeah. just another, yeah. another horrible lie that was attached to it. Wow. So we want to ask our pro-polygamists tonight, people who live polygamy or are pro-polygamy. And there are a lot of Mormons who are pro-polygamy, by the way. There are. They won't admit it, but well, they, I've talked I to some. I wasn't anti-polygamy. Okay. I, mean, so I knew I was going to live it someday, or <laughs> someday. at least Car Carla would have to decide what to do with it. <laughs> so, questions. Where does the Bible say that we are pleasing to God if we are polygamists? Where does it say that polygamy is a requirement by God? Where does it say living polygamy will make you more Christ-like? Jesus Christ is the center of the salvation story, not polygamy. Not a church. It isn't having money or giving it all away to the United Order. Jesus alone and only Jesus is our salvation story. Dying on the cross for our sins is our salvation story. Polygamy has nothing to do with it and there is no other way. It is not what gets us into heaven, but who gets us into heaven. Okay, there's much more, but we've <laughs> got to sure open is. the phones. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we're going to open up the telephones right now. And we do have uh, several other things to talk about, um, but we are going to go forward with discussing as our, as our mid-show break um, some of what we're doing to, um, to transition to our new format. But we're opening up the fellow telephone line so that you can begin to call in if you'd like. Our phone number is 801-973-TV20, 973-8820. So give us a call if you have questions or uh, comments that you'd like to make. Now, it looks like that June 25th is going to be our last televised live show, TV show, live TV show from... Uh, from TV 20 here and we will be continuing to broadcast our shows on the internet I think we've already discussed that several times in the past and you can go to our website it has full information about how to prepare so that you can continue to watch our show on your TV set. Some of our viewers have already done this using Roku. In fact, we've received uh, several emails from people who have done this. We received just uh, an email from a viewer the other day, and this is what he said. I purchased a Roku device and received it Monday. I followed your setup instructions on your web page, and everything went great. I already love the Roku. Your pro 
programs come in very clear. Keep up the great work. So we've heard from several people who uh, have already made the needed adjustments so that they can watch our show after TV20 is done, and they also are pleased with their results. Now, there are various other ways that you can watch our show on your television set. Of course, you can watch it on your computer screen if you'd like as well. But you can watch uh, uh, from Vimeo and YouTube on the computer screen, or you can purchase a Chromecast or an Amazon Fire device, Blu-ray players and Xbox devices can also stream our show onto your television screen. But for those who have chosen to use Roku, um, please know that our channel is currently a private channel which means that the only way to add us through Roku is to go to your account on the Roku page and once our channel becomes a public channel you'll be able to add it from your device without going online and you won't need any codes but for now to add uh, polygamy what love is this channel to your Roku channel lineup you need to log in to your online Roku account click add a channel and enter the code CHPQGV that's a tongue twister. That's, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you can go to our website, whatloveisthis.tv slash Roku, um, and, um, for more f thorough information and details of how to do this. But we still have three more shows That's right. to do that we don't have to. First of June. Yeah. The 20, <laughs> 20, is it the 25th of June? 25th, that, I think. 25th so of June yes. will be our last show. Okay, so our telephone lines are open. Our number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We have one caller in already. Her, It's Lauren from Bountiful. Hello, Lauren. Hi, I'm doing good, thanks, of course. Oh, Hi. Great. Um, you guys believe in the Bible, correct? We sure do. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm a member of the church. I'm not active. I catch your show occasionally. And I don't have any, any problem with you or Brother Erskine. Um, I find you guys do attack the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on occasion. And the only thing that I ever think about when I hear your comments towards the Church are um, Peter in Acts chapter 5, verses uh, 36 through, through 40. He gives a couple of examples of um, different groups of people that are attacking the disciples, the believers of Christ, and he tells the people that, you know, he just tells them, hey, don't worry about it. He says, um, now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this is the counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. Right. That's Gamal Gamaliel, I think, that, that says that, isn't it? That's, I think it was Gamaliel that said that. Yeah. Um, and that's correct. Well, there's three different groups. Okay, but uh, also yeah. I think of Matthew 28, where Jesus told his disciples before he ascended up into heaven to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's so promoting the gospel. That's not tearing down other people's faiths or other people's religions. That's promoting. We are not tearing gospel. down. We all we tear down is false doctrine. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm not going to argue you with you, sir. The there is not going to be I'm an not argument. Sick. You want to say we don't agree with polygamy? There That's is fine. not Your going belief. to be an argument. Fine. Goodbye. Okay. He wanted to argue. I'm not going to do it. We do not attack the church. We attack their doctrine, 
And I know that's difficult for people to, yeah, we're to grasp attacking, the difference. Attacking people, I, I think we're just trying to explain the facts mm -hmm. and they're just not putting these facts together at all. They're, they're, Mormons it's like don't connecting do the that. dots. We were yeah, just talking. They yeah. don't put them together. And, and he says that if it's of God, it will last. If it's not of God, it will fail. So don't worry about it. Right. And Jesus said if, you're, if your house is not built on the rock, if it's built on the sand, it will fall with a great big crash. Yeah. We have proven that the Mormon church is built on a sandy foundation. It's built on lies and deceit. The first vision was wrong. He didn't see J Jesus and God in the same vision. He couldn't have because God cannot be seen. There's so many other things that's wrong with Joseph Smith's foundation of Mormonism. So it will fall with a great big crash. We just don't know when. And they are losing members worldwide like the the yeah. the kid that's got his finger <laughs> in the dike trying to hold it in and they can't do it well and i think it's important too that we're um that, as you said that jesus said to proclaim the truth uh, uh, paul said that if if an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel than the one he preaches mm -hmm. that let him be accursed well the gospel that paul taught is in the bible and he said let him be accursed we yeah. have never said that no. we never said let the mormons be accursed no. we want them to come to the truth yeah and jude 3 says contend for the faith once for all given to the saints. Once for all, by the way. didn't take twice with Joseph Smith. Once given to the saints. And contend means contend. Yeah, contend. The one thing I always like to point out, and that sometimes Mormons don't really realize this, uh, and I, polygamists don't do this, I guess, as much, but they send out 80,000 missionaries. Mm -hmm. They have them out there, and they're telling everybody in the world that theirs is the only true church, which mm -hmm. by Definition means everyone that else everyone is false. Everyone else is wrong. And at four hundred dollars a month, that's thirty-two million dollars every month they mm -hmm. spend sending these sending missionaries, these missionaries out. out. And why do they do that? And why can't we do what we're doing when yeah. they get to do all that they're doing yeah. without? So, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it goes both ways, I guess. It does way. go both <laughs> ways. Absolutely does. Line two, we have Susan. Hello, Susan. Susan. This is Nancy. Oh, well, it says Susan, but Nancy, you're on the air. <laughs> Hi. You need to turn the volume of your television set down. Okay, sorry. Completely down, off. <laughs> it's off now. Okay, what's your question or comment? Um, I have been watching your show for a little bit, and it's gone back and forth. It's kind of gone up and down a little bit through time and I'm kind of wondering what your definition of truth is since you seem to think the Mormon religion is not truth um you said you know the vision of Joseph Smith is not truth and the Mormon religion is founded on sand or whatever he said and I'm just wondering what you seem to think is truth. I'm not wanting well, to argue, I'm just wondering what your... Truth is reality. Truth is what's real. What really okay. is. So okay, so how do you know that yep. it's real? Because what your your truth is, is what you're reading out of I've Bible, read, correct? No, no, I've read Mormon history. I've read the history, though. Your own history books shows the deceit and the lies and the contradictions that Mormonism began with. 
I, it's it's all over. Go ahead, Earl. Well, I think one of the things that struck me most was I, I'd always heard that the Book of Mormon had been translated word for word by the power of God, and then I found out that the 1830 Book of Mormon had been changed significantly, doctrinally. And then I learned that there were seven to nine versions of the first vision. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know that, but they're all different. They conflict with each other. They're not the same. And then there's things like the Book of Abraham and Masonry and things that just, so many things that just are, most of us, former Mormon, I'm a former Mormon now, but most of us Mormons did not know about, didn't understand, were never told. And when you find those things out uh, by studying the history, it's it's rather shocking. Um, Nancy, not, let me I, ask you a question. Not, can I ask you a question, Nancy, please? Why can you tell me why it's okay for Joseph Smith to marry 33 women and 11 of those women were already married women living with their other husbands? Is that okay and why is it okay? I think that it's if it's your choice to marry somebody, I think that's fine. If, if oh, even if God says not to do that? marry them, I think that's fine. <laughs> oh, so Whether it's so, a male or a female, I think that's fine too. So it's okay for Joseph Smith to commit adultery like that? Is that okay? He's the he's the one who started your church and brought in all this restoration. Oh, hey, oh, oh I'm not, I'm not LDS. <laughs> well, okay, sorry, but he's the one that began this church, um, and yet we have, we, I never hear a Mormon or a polygamist give us one good reason why it was okay for Joseph Smith to do that. It's not okay, and yet we're supposed to believe he's a prophet of God. Um, what do you think about non-religious polygamy? I, uh, again, we'll go back to the Bible. God says monogamy. And so I have to follow with what God said to do. That's what I think. We have other calls. Um, we have other calls coming in now. Do you have another question? Hello? Um, no, thank you. That's it. <laughs> okay, thank you for your call. Bye. Mm -hmm, bye. I thought she was. I thought she was co yeah. coming from the Mormon viewpoint, so I'm sorry about that. Okay, on line three, we have Renee from Tooele. Hello, Renee. Hi, Doris. Hello. I love your program. I Thank was you. just wanting to know if you could explain if the polygamist in the Mormon church in the early days, do they still believe in polygamy in heaven when they pass away? Did they? Thank you. God bless you, and I love you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Okay. Well, that was, thank you. That was a short call. Thanks, Renee. <laughs> thank you. Love you. <laughs> thank I you. I want you to go off the air. Well, you can catch us on the net. We'll still be there. I don't have the computer. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you'll get okay, one. Love you. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Yes, they all believe. All of the Mormons believe that there's polygamy in heaven. The early polygamists believed that as well. Well, that was one of that was the actually that's when Joseph Smith made it up, 
was to, well, to because was his, he was that was part of his coercion. He too, was bringing it? yeah he was bringing that in as a reason to get them yeah. to marry um, him specifically so that they could be with him for eternity. Yeah, and wasn't it? I know you've quoted this before, but where a husband or with a woman could find a husband with more authority mm -hmm. and a higher ranking, mm -hmm. she could leave her husband and go to the leader with the higher right, ranking. Right, right, and that was Brigham Young's. <laughs> Yes. That's funny. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, we have Kevin from West Jordan. Hello, Kevin. Yes. Doris, you know, I was listening to the first caller and, and talking about Gamil and plugging this into the Mormon church and that, you know, because the Mormon church has been around since Josephine's time and that. Well, I was thinking, well, you know, Islam's been around since the 7th century. So therefore, well, it must be something of God. So therefore, what ISIS is doing must be a God, right? Must be. But based on that, if you just take that all by itself and not the rest of the Bible, then you could say that, sure. Yeah, yeah, you could, you, know, so, you know, so you can't just plug something like that into anywhere, or your argument becomes ridiculous. That's exactly and right. That's all I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You're faster thinking than me. I didn't, couldn't have thought of that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and, and we also have to say here at that point, Christianity has remained for 2,000 years. Yeah. Mormonism started only 200, 175 years ago. Christianity has been here the way it is today. It hasn't changed. There was no restoration. And it's lasted 2,000 years. So... Why yeah. Mormon? Why, why not Christian? Why, why is there even Mormonism if Christianity? Well, and I, that's what I think. If, if people had just evaluated what Joseph Smith was coming up with against the Bible that was already there, God's Word, they would never, they would never have followed Joseph Smith. Right. They would have known that God couldn't appear as a man mm -hmm. or that polygamy was true or That's right. They would things. test all of that with the Bible uh, and find that, out it was a fraud. Yeah, and, and people need to think that through a little bit. And they do. And another dot to connect on this is Jesus promised and, and God in the Old Testament, Jesus said verbally in the New Testament that his word and his church would never pass away, ever. Heaven and earth will and, not pass away. Right. And his church would last throughout all generations. So why would we need a restoration from Joseph Smith if Jesus failed? Did Jesus fail to do that? Yeah. The other one that struck me was that, that little quote we hear all the time about two or three are gathered in my name. Yes. There was never not a time when at least two or three weren't gathered That's in his exactly name. That's exactly right. So there was no need for a restoration. There no need. And, and then when you say it's not like polygamy, it's not in the Bible, so what was being restored, uh, it wasn't a restoration because it was, God never set up a commandment to practice to do polygamy mm -hmm. so yeah and all, and all of the other basic mormon doctrines are not in the bible nor are they even in the book of mormon so that's you true. know it, it's just stuff that's been pulled out of the air i don't know <laughs> um susan got disconnected before okay uh, line one susan are you on the air yes okay what's your question or your comment no. My father has been reading a book, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's called, Do You Know My History? No man knows my oh. history. I'm sorry? No man knows my history. No man knows my history. Mm -hmm. By Fawn Brody, yeah. Yes, and it talks about how even after Joseph Smith died, he was still being, women were going and being sealed to mm -hmm. him. Yeah. That's true. I think there's over 200, 236 or there something were. like that. Uh, women that were sealed to him after he died, yes. Yes. 
Absolutely. And I just want to know your take on that. Well, I, it, it's, it's just a, a, a to it's not something that is bound in heaven, but they well, can do what honest, they want. Well, to be honest, that's, and maybe I was naive, but that was really what I understood about Joseph Smith practicing polygamy, was that, w that he didn't practice polygamy when I was growing up. He was just, the, all these women were sealed to him after he died. So yeah. it wasn't until later that I learned that he'd actually married these 33 or so wives, yeah. plus all those that were sealed to him after he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I am an inactive Mormon, and I used to go to church all the time, and then I came to my senses and realized <laughs> I was being brainwashed. I I would just like to know: Do you. you is there an organized religion out there that you feel like is true? There, it, Christianity is God's method to bring His truths to people. Christianity. Now, there's a lot of churches that claim to be Christian that aren't, so you have to be careful. But you can find several good Christian churches in the valley, in Salt Lake Valley and along the Wasatch Front. There's many very good Christian churches, and they're not, they don't say, we're the only true church. No good Christian church will ever say that. They will say, Jesus is the way, and we will teach you what Jesus taught, and then they'll teach from the Bible. And only the Bible. If you want to go to church, go find, make sure you find one that teaches only from the Bible, nothing more, nothing less, but only that. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Good night. Okay. Bye. If, if Susan could contact us, we could be more specific about recommending a church or yeah. something. Good, I mean, it, good idea, Susan. You, know. uh, you could email us or, or call back the operator and leave your phone number, and we'd be happy to, if you want one of us to call you, we can recommend some churches around that we know from personal experience are good. Okay, R line two, Robert from Salt Lake. Hello, Robert. Hi, hi, Doris. How you doing? Good, great. Thank you. Yeah, I, just a quick comment. A uh, couple of them. Uh, you know, I live on Third South, and I had, I used to attend a denominational type church, which I'm not going to mention. And now I go to 140 or South to attend a non-denominational church, and both churches teach that Christ is the way, the truth, and life, and so forth. Uh huh. Anyway, I was going to say something about uh, Smith, and let's say, for example, Emma Smith. You know, had I had I had a 14 year old daughter in Smith's time, I probably wouldn't want him to get too closely associated with her. However, at the same time, if I knew Emma Smith personally, let's say, for example, I mean, I wouldn't have any desire to hurt her physically. That'd be the furthest thing from my mind. But I would be against the practices of what Smith taught, and especially when he said, I've said this on the radio and different programs before, especially when he said, he, you know, speaking about God, he said, he will make me be God to you in his stead. Yeah. The Sound and Teachings of the Prophet, page 363, by the way. And, you know, I'm against him saying that. And if, <laughs> if I actually knew Smith personally in real life, you know, maybe he wasn't that bad of a guy. I mean, I would keep him away from my 14-year-old daughter, but he was probably a nice guy. I mean, you know, so Had a lot I wouldn't of charisma. be against him personally, but mm -hmm. just what he taught. What he taught, exactly right. And that's the way we are here. We're, we're not against people, but we are against false doctrine. And yeah. God said in the Bible that we should hate what he hates. And God hates right. false doctrine. Yes, that's thank, right. thank you Amen. very that's much. That's right, Doris. Thanks, Thanks for, so calling. Much for being there, Doris. I'll thank keep you. watching. Okay. Have a good night. Great, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we have line three, Anonymous. Hello, Anonymous. 
Hey, Doris, how you doing? Great, thank you. What's your comment or question? Well, as soon as I ask you this, you'll know who you're talking to. I do. And my question is, how things are going with People Magazine? I'm sorry, I don't follow your question. <laughs> I hooked you up with a reporter, People Magazine. I wanted to know if anything's happened with that. I'm sorry, what'd you say? He said he, he, he hooked you up with the people from People Magazine? Oh, well, People Magazine contacted me several years ago and said that they were going to do an article on a particular person that we helped out of polygamy, but they never got back with us. Huh, because, yeah, I called in and you called back and I talked to you for quite a while. Yeah, yeah they never got back to us. In fact, the, the lady I talked to said it sounded like a good story and she wanted to pursue it, but I never heard back. Okay, uh, yeah, because I emailed her and she said that you know, that she had some ideas with you, so I just hmm. wondered if anything's happened. Nothing happened. I don't know what happened, but nothing happened. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. I, I definitely wanted to get that one story out there in the public. Yeah, but, uh, it, it would have been good if they had done that. Anyway, I do have a question for the bishop. Oh, okay. And, uh, Earl. you know, I'm not LDS, <laughs> never have been, but I've lived around him all my life, and I do have an observation that I'd like to ask about. And that is that, uh, in my eyes, the Mormon Church discriminates against women. But it seems like to me that it's the women that make the men go to church. <laughs> so that's my question. <laughs> well, that probably varies. I guess you're. At, it probably varies from family to family. I, well, I yeah, know. it varies, but <laughs> you're you're saying that it's the women that get the men to go to church. A lot of cases, it seems yeah. like it. Well, we always laugh that if we wanted something done well and or organized, we always turn it over to the Relief Society. So, if that answers your question, but <laughs> I'm not sure I'm covering it the way he. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know there, if but, you could uh, have a general blanket on that answer. But we thank you. Anything else, Robert? I'm. Well, that's anonymous. Or, oh. Is there anything else you would sorry. like to comment on? No, but uh, I'm Facebook friends with our reporter. I'll send her a private message and ask her what's up. Okay, okay that sounds great. Thanks for jarring my memory. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will. Okay. You, have, you guys take care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. That's the, the last of the calls on the line. We, we had much more information to cover, but yeah, we'll have to do that in, do another uh, in another show. I did want to mention, which we won't be able to cover them at all, but maybe we can take just a quick minute to talk about our show last week was with Lynn Wilder oh. talking about sexual abuse yeah. uh, in this culture, and we got a lot of comments back. In fact, um, Michelle, one of the managers of TV20, called me, uh, a couple of days ago and she said there had been never been as many telephone calls they received after a single show as they did that she said there was almost 50 phone calls that came in to the telephone here after the show was over some of them wanted books hmm. uh, that we were offering um, but most of them were were saying how good that the show was yeah. that we were actually bringing out this sexual abuse and turning out that other people have experienced similar yes. situations and that this isn't an isolated absolutely kind of an we have received in fact tonight we were going to read some of the emails that we've received as a result of the show we'll do that another night maybe yeah, two weeks from tonight we'll we'll read them yeah and talk about some of the responses of that show but we just want people to know and there were people that hate the fact that we did this 
Yes, mm. and we've got one of those letters too. We're going to read uh, next time about that. But it is a problem. Sexual abuse in the Mormon culture, whether it's polygamy or the LDS Church, it is a problem, and that's because it's such a, a secretive, yeah. um, highly hidden patriarchal society and they want to make sure that they look good that their image remains yeah. good and um, don't want things to be <coughs> don't want things to be reported yeah. absolutely yeah. okay well thank you again Earl and my pleasure we'll see you in a couple of weeks next week we have a great guest so be sure and watch you know we have been accused of being unfair and hypocritical and prejudiced because we don't allow other religions to be presented here on our show. But all our call-in time has never been intended for other religions to speak about what they believe. Our purpose has always been to discuss the unbiblical origin of Mormonism and reveal the secret Mormon polygamous culture to bring biblical truths to polygamists and to provide research tools for them to discover that polygamy is not God's will. We do not want to give them time for comments, and we do want to give them time for comments and questions, but why would we want to give them time to preach their unbiblical doctrine that we're here to invalidate and for them to bear testimony of a false prophet? That's never been our stated purpose, neither are we hypocritical for not allowing false gospels to be legitimatized on this show, and we are not obligated to do that. We will not provide time for a polygamist or a Mormon to preach false gospel here. And because we disagree with false doctrine doesn't mean that we're haters. Polygamy hurts people. It's abusive to women and children. Yet people claim polygamy is right when it's lived the way God's commands. But where has God commanded it? We're so sorry for those who haven't taken the time to check out the many hundreds of references that we've given to verify our belief, yet they still complain that we refuse them the opportunity to talk about their unverified belief. That was never our purpose. We present the only purpose that counts, not polygamy for eternal life, but Jesus Christ for eternal life and Him crucified. See you next time. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of the Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.